Hey everybody, just a couple of announcements before we begin today's episode. You know when you listen to a podcast and you get one of those lovely announcements about, sorry about the quirky audio quality, I was hoping I would not ever have to make one of those announcements, but unfortunately we have a little bit of quirky audio quality in part of the episode. I think it is definitely listenable, but there's a couple of wobbles at different spots. Also, thank you so much to Scott Chesworth for fixing our audio because it was a lot worse before he got a hold of it. One other thing, at the end of the episode, I tell a little story of our kids reading a book together and promised a recording of that, but I can't find that recording. So instead... (laughs) To start us off today, you get a recording of me and my oldest daughter trying to convince my youngest daughter that she should learn how to make a bowl of cereal. One day you're gonna you're 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 gonna need to move away. I don't want to. I'm not going to ever move. Okay, but you know what? Did you hear what Marie's saying? One day I'm going to get old. Really old. But I'll stay with you. No matter what. Well, and that is... I just love that, you. Oh. And I just... I want to play a game with you. I just... like old granny. Oh. <laughs> Who wants to play Uno? Well, I... 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 You're going to want to grow up and live on your own... I promise. And part of that is making your own cereal. I love living with you. (laughs) And I love living with you. I'm going to live with you forever. And never want to play again. I'm going to live with you forever. No matter what. Okay, but you know what? One day, even if you live with me forever, I'm going to be too old to make cereal. And I'm going to need you to make it for me. Okay. What do you think? Okay. Could could you start learning how to do that? Could you teach me first? Okay, go get the bowls. Then teach me. Week two, indeed. Welcome to Crip Parenting. So, I thought we would talk about how we met and how we got married, all that good stuff. Most of the questions are coming from NPR StoryCorps, but one of the things I wanted to ask you is, as a disabled person, did you think that you would, did you want to get married and did you think that you would? So, yeah, I wanted to get married. Um... And I thought I could. I think from an early age, my parents instilled a belief in me that I could do anything I wanted to do. It might look a little different than the, the non-disabled population, but they instilled in me a belief that I could do anything I wanted to do. I, want, I, I wanted to get married, and I have to admit Toward the end of my undergrad program, I'd been <coughs> stood up a couple of times. 
Oh, you had it in the world? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I remember asking her. Maybe it was just once. I remember asking a girl out on a date. And... <laughs> uh, I tried to call to confirm the day before. Mm-hmm. She didn't answer my calls. She didn't say anything about it when I saw her uh, in church the next day after we were supposed to go out. So I thought, well, okay, I'm going to chalk it up for... <coughs> for a stand-up and just move on. So, Do you think it was disability-related? I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if it was disability-related. I'll never know. <laughs> um, so I have an older sister who is 13 years older than I am, and she, I think I mentioned her on a previous uh, podcast, but uh, so her oldest child is... is just about five and a half years younger than I am. So he's like the little brother I never got to have. And um, I admired her parenting so much with her kids and her constant attempts to learn and grow and and try and be better. And I wanted wanted to do that. And I dated a couple of people. (laughs) One of them, my father, who... I can count on one hand the number of unsolicited advice he's ever given me in his life. And one of them was this guy I was dating who will remain nameless. And my dad pulls me aside. He goes, what are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, I think you need to think about it because I don't think this is a good thing you got going here. (laughs) So fortunately, that one didn't work out. Amen. Um, I agree. Yeah. (laughs) That is very fortunate. (laughs) So, um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, I was, I hope that I get married and, but I think that, I think that a disability is probably not a, an asset in the dating market. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. <laughs> Trying not to be too controversial to anybody who's out there hoping to date who has a disability, because I think you definitely can, but I think that it can be a little more challenging. Yeah, it takes a lot of determination and uh, persistence. Yeah, and I think you need to find somebody who sees you uh, as as a person who, an aspect of you is your disability, but that's not all of you. It's a part of you, just like a lot of things are a part of us. Yep, yep, that's true. So let's talk about how we met. I had transferred down to BYU... Um, A.K.A. Brigham Young University. Oh, yes. Good job. Keep me honest with the acronyms. Brigham Young University. And they had and still have this glorious setup of a computer lab where every computer has assistive technology for pretty much any disability you have. And they have this glorious station if you were blind that had a braille display and an embosser which would braille out braille i was going to say print out braille but i guess that's (laughs) (laughs) it it was the six dot cell not not raised print but it would emboss braille that's what i wanted and um it was it was great so i came walking in there with my beautiful delightful 
oh-so-wonderful guide dog named Honey. Honey. That deserves its own podcast. Oh, we episode. will do we will do a service dog podcast. Yes. I love that dog. Oh, that dog was the worst. <laughs> but but I will say this for Honey. Honey is what is was the well, she was the catalyst to uh uh get me to you. I liked Honey more than I liked you at first. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so... So we met in January because that was the first that I had started um, at, at Brigham Young University in winter of 2005. Five. Yeah, five. Yeah. So I remember you coming in... It was cold! ...to the lab. Granted, it was January. January is one of the coldest months here in Utah. And you came walking in with your big floor-to-ceiling parka zipped up <laughs> to your chin. And you had a scowl on your face. I pretty much scowled from mid-November to mid-April. <laughs> Amen to that. Oh, I don't know which is I see. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, you... So, anyway, I can't remember, did did you say hi first, or... Yeah, I think so. I think that maybe, I you must have done, I think maybe you turned around or something to see who would come in. Oh, okay. And so I probably heard the sound of your, of your wheelchair turning around. <laughs> Of the clicky-click. Yes, of the clicky-click. Yes. So, um, you turned around and I said, hi. Now, you had your hand outstretched. I did. I had my hand outstretched because I couldn't see you. (laughs) And you had these thick Coke bottle glasses on. So, I think I I assumed that maybe you could see. Because mm-hmm. you had those glasses on. Uh, and so I thought, what, what is she doing? <laughs> I couldn't lift my arm up to shake your hand. Right. And, and you said... I was thinking, oh. So I said, hi. Yeah, and you pretty much said it like, that's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good impersonation. Imp- Impersonation of yourself. Yeah, so I thought... <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad I, I could impersonate myself. Yes. Everybody thinks that when you can't see, you're so open-minded. And that's true until you open your mouth and start talking to me. And then I'm as uh, judgmental as the rest of the population. And the way you said it, I'm like, who is this weirdo? What is his problem? And somehow our hands met. Yeah, because I went through the... Rigmarole of of getting my one hand under my arm and hoisting (laughs) my arm up to shake your hand. And then, well, I don't know. I've been. I've never thought to ask you this, but what what did you think when you shook my hand for the first time? You had the tiniest, coldest hands in the whole world because you can't wear you can't wear gloves. 
Did I have my coat on? I think you probably did. I think you did. I think you had your coat on. And and your hands were so cold. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we didn't like each other much that first semester. No. Um, Well, and to compound it, every time you came into the lab... I need help to open my paper. I need help to close my paper. I need help to to eject my jump drive. Yeah, because here was the secret. Here was the unspoken, untold secret of the lab. What you wanted to do there was be paid to do nothing but study for classes. And so I was ruining your job. You were. (laughs) I was. You were getting in the way. I know. You were forcing me to actually work. It was very annoying. And then you turned on your stupid sticky keys. Like every computer. What, what are sticky keys? So sticky keys make it so you don't have to hold down the shift key to do a capital letter at the same time. Oh. You can press shift and then you know press the letter you want to capitalize good for those of us who can't you know easily use two hands on the keyboard well it sucks for those of us who are blind because jaws the screen reader job access with speech is what it stands for but uh the company that makes it likes to play on the shark theme well we, there you go we should have called the whole thing off but i'm glad we didn't yeah so i would come into the computer and then you're Stupid sticky keys were on, and sometimes you would be gone, and uh-huh. no one else knew how to turn them off. I get so mad. And then the the lab was like, they needed an update, you know, and, and BYU updated. I think they went around and tried to get everybody an update every five years or something. So it was majorly in need of an update, and I, the computer was eating my papers. <laughs> and so... I was a very pretty person uh, my first semester. Yes, you were. And you turned to a friend. Was it was it, was it one of the employees at the lab? Or? Yeah, it was one of my colleagues at the lab. It was it was right after you left, I think. Mm-hmm. I just turned around and said, oh, that girl drives me nuts. <laughs> I hope she makes it here, but she drives me nuts. And the coworker was smart enough to just kind of, in essence, smile and nod. <laughs> she didn't say much. So. So I started working at the lab. I think it was just the next semester. I went home for the summer. And then I started working at the lab. And then in fall of 2000, no, winter of 2006. So we'd known each other for like a year. <clears throat> Um, so in winter of 2006, um, I... Was that when you started working there? No, I started working there in fall of oh. 2005. Okay. And I, I, I came up there at the beginning of March, and I think I didn't want to. Um, well, no, I remember not wanting to, complaining in my head all the way up. Weren't you covering a shift for someone, or was that your no? It was assigned it was, time. It was my assigned time, and I had asked you if you could cover 
my shift, but you couldn't because you had gotten in all your hours. You know, they only let you work like 20 hours a week or something. So. And you were the bottom one on the totem pole, so. Yeah. Uh, we chose your hours for you, essentially. Did we? Did you? Uh, well, I mean, just by virtue of you being the bottom of the totem pole, you kind of got everyone's hours they didn't want. <laughs> Nobody wanted 8 o'clock at night on Friday. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, so we went up there, and I'd been at BYU for a year at this point, and it felt like everybody and their dog was dating but me and my dog. <laughs> and so Poor honey. I know. Fell in love with that golden retriever next door. Never gave her a second glance. Just kidding. Huh. Um, so I went up there and we ended up, um, we ended up talking. Yeah, for probably an hour. Yeah. Uh, we talked about pet peeves, dreams, aspirations. It was a fun conversation. I discovered I didn't hate you. No, I don't. Two things. I don't think you had hated me. I think you started to tolerate me more. Because they upgraded the computers and the computers stopped eating my papers. Everyone has an excuse. <laughs> That's right. So, um, so the, yeah, so we started talking and then I think I helped you get all your stuff packed up. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, you, you, I walked you out. I just walked out with you and you said we should, do you remember what you said? Didn't I say we should go out sometime? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, oh yeah, we should. When, as I recall you asking. Yeah. I think, I think I did. Cause I wanted to go out with you. <laughs> you wanted you wanted a firm commitment from me. Yeah. So we agreed on a date and you know a date to go out. Mm -hmm. I remember. I remember, uh, you know, rolling toward the bus stop, and kind of almost in a sense of panic because I thought, "What in the world did I just do? I asked a blind girl out on a date." I can't feed myself. I can't drive. What in the world are we going to do? So. And I walked back into the library just like on cloud and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> and you called your friend to double, right? Yes. Well, I think you're missing a very crucial piece of this that. Oh, man, yeah. Very well ended our relationship. Yeah, you at forgot. That, at that young stage. I um, I got mixed up on the dates that we were going. I think you were going to... I was going to see my brother's graduation from the uh, Green Beret. Yeah. And I guess I got confused on which weekend you were going to be mm -hmm. here and which weekend you were going to be there. So, um, I almost got myself into trouble. Well, yeah, because you said, oh, are you going to be gone this weekend? Or whatever weekend it was. I said, well, that would be rude. And you're like, why? 
was like, because we have a date that weekend. I was like, oh, yeah. And I think that was when you called your friend in a panic. It was like <laughs> two days before we were going out, wasn't it? I can't remember. Something like that. And I said to my friend, hey, I need you to double with me. I need someone to feed me and drive us. <laughs> so he was a good support. He said, sure. And uh, we went to dinner mm-hmm. and bowling. I didn't feed you. I was so relieved. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, she didn't feed me. That's right, because I didn't think you could. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Me like one of the children. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, and then we went we went bowling. We did go bowling. And you cheated. <laughs> you used the you used the gutter blockers. I did? Did I? Yeah, we did. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh. I had a I had a um supervisor at work who was blind as a bat. And he was very disgusted by people who used the, the gutter blockers because apparently there's this rail thing that you can use that will guide you, like you follow it and a guy gets you like to, to the right position. And he could bowl pretty well. Like, I don't remember what his score was, but I, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like without the gutter blockers, he was very disgusted by blind people who use the gutter blockers. I use the gutter blockers, and I think I got like a 38. <laughs> well, we mean no offense to those professional bowlers out there who <laughs> might be disgusted with us, but, you know. Okay, best story, but it has nothing to do with this top subject except for what best blind, best blind bowling story. You want to hear okay. it? Okay. Okay, so <laughs> had a blind friend who went bowling, and... <laughs> She has her guide dog. <laughs> she doesn't tie her dog to anything. She just lets it. Oh out no! Thinking that it won't. What? Well, thinking that it won't be a problem. So she throws the ball, <laughs> and the guide dog comes tearing down the lane after the ball. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think. Did she, she get a strike? I. T- I think she got in a heck of a trouble with the bowling. The, the, bowling the bowling alley because they like polish those floors and stuff. They don't Ooh. want the surface dog walking on the lane. And I'm pretty sure she told me that story before I went bowling with you. So I must have made sure that Hani was secured because. Well, regardless <laughs> if 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 Hani might have gone to chase a bowling ball, she would have run away at the first chance she got. Oh, so you had no choice but to tie her down. I know. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Yes. So after bowling, we went to your friend's house for ice cream. And a movie. And a movie, yeah. And there were a bunch of people there. That's and right. your friend was serving everybody ice cream. And he said to you, give me just one second and I'll, I'll help you. And I felt really bad because I had my ice cream. And I was sitting there eating my ice cream. I thought, well, okay, it's time. <laughs> Oh, I turn you to go, do you want some help with that ice cream? <laughs> what were you thinking when I, I said, sure, I was thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm a bit of a dandy. I hate having food spilled on my clothes. 
And I wonder how this is even going to go. But okay, here we go. So she proceeded to, you proceeded to feed me. And mm-hmm. I. And you were taking the, there, huge there bites were, of ice cream. There were some bites that were filled with nothing but air. <laughs> yep. And other bites that were filled with probably three mouthfuls <laughs> worth of ice cream. <laughs> Thought, well, I don't want this to melt, so I'm going to take these bites as they come. <laughs> Had a few brain freezes, but but we managed. Yeah. We managed to get through the maiden feeding voyage. All right. And then the next night you asked me out again because one of our colleagues at the lab had decided to play Cupid. And so... <laughs> ah. um, I wish I could remember what, if I had talked to him no, about our date. I, well, so, yeah, you had... And then he had just invited you over, you know, like you'd already planned to go over to his house that night and have dinner. And oh, so he's okay. like, hey, you should invite Tara over. And we watched that one modern remake of Pride and Prejudice uh, where they did such a, they did such a beautiful job. I don't remember the movie. I just remember you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I fed you. Fed me a steak. Steak and mashed potatoes. And I think there was salad. Salad? I think so. And mashed potatoes and salad is just the most ghastly. Oh, it's a horrific combination. (laughs) So the one thing you cannot do, as as you can learn to eat very gracefully as a blind person. Um, But the one thing you can't prevent is some mixing on your plate. And uh, mashed potatoes and salad do not mix well. And I've always wondered which one of us has the harder spot because I don't know it's coming until <laughs> it's in my mouth. And you know it's coming, but there's nothing you can do about it. I know. I start to build up the anticipatory stress Yeah. as I see it coming. I, I, occasionally, I'll let out this... Uh... Yeah, exactly. Occasionally, you let out this quiet groan. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> And so and you're curious and ask, what is it? Right. And you're like, watermelon and salad <laughs> and the same bite. And I'm like, well, I can try. You're like, just don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yes. So. Um, we were starting to realize that we could maybe do this. Yeah. And, and we did a very um, BYU thing (laughs) would you say yes yes where people don't take too long around there to decide they want to get married um what made you decide you wanted to marry me how did you how did you know i was the one well i thought you were fun uh and Certainly had a good time with you on our on our dates that were incidentally a bunch of group dates for like the first six months, wasn't it? Mm, I don't remember. Before we finally went on a solo date to the 
Chinese restaurant down the street from where I lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought you were tons of fun. And I just, I was wheels over wheels. Can't be head over heels. I might end up without a way to get up that way. So, uh, but thought you were fun. Thought you were charming, a great conversationalist. And thought, wow, I like her. I think she likes me. This could be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, but getting married, like, I mean. I uh, believe in prayer, and I prayed about, you know, marrying you. Mm-hmm. And felt like I got kind of a, you know, a confirmation saying that, yeah, go for it. And so I, I remember we'd gone up to my parents' house mm-hmm. and, and you'd been you'd been with your family that weekend. And so we couldn't really talk much privately. I remember when we were finally back at my apartment at the end of that weekend. I remember saying, I have something I want to talk to you about. And so we talked about getting married. We dated, what, three weeks? Mm-hmm. At that time, and uh, I was giddy and thrilled. Uh, and I don't know, how did you feel? Um, you know, in addition to being in a mixed disability marriage, we're in a mixed faith marriage. And so um, for me the spiritual experiences that I had um, that confirmed um, that you were the one I uh, should marry and wanted to marry were, I don't know quite, I don't know quite what to do with those now, but, but they were there. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, the, the summer, the summer um, before we got married, or no, the, the the summer before we started dating, I had gotten I'd gone home and I'd gotten my wisdom teeth out, and in the um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints or the Mormon Church, um, there is a belief in in blessings from God, uh, and so my brother gave me a blessing in which he told me to worthy myself to meet someone special. And so I started making this daily effort to to make sure to pray every day and read the scriptures every day. Um, and I felt like a lo- I felt a lot of peace when you asked me out, um, mm-hmm. and I felt a lot of peace over marrying you. And those feelings are I mean they still happened, and so I don't know. You know, I'm in a position in my life where I'm not quite sure where. I don't totally know where they they came from, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that for us, um, <laughs> and, I, and we've talked about how to try and, as we've been planning the podcast, we've talked about how to try and talk about this, um, that it did not, our 
Our announcement of getting married was not greeted with universal joy. <laughs> no. From family. So, um, well, and even some friends, I remember, you know, some of both groups, family and friends, expressing some real concern yeah. over how we were going to manage from day to day. And yeah. And I, um, I remember my sister. Uh, saying, different different sister. This sister is four years older than I am, and so I said, "We're getting married. I'm so excited." And she goes, "You know, he can't drive, Tara." <laughs> uh, that's right. Um, <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm not marrying a chauffeur," <laughs> and. Um, Truthfully, I don't think you and I knew how we were going to manage from day to day either. It was going to have to be a lot of trial and error. I think every couple goes through that. Uh, Certainly, not everyone has a disability, but you're living with a, a, a person Mm-hmm. who has different habits and all charming characteristics <laughs> and some annoying that you're trying to uh, figure out how to navigate. And I feel like, though, sometimes for us as people with disabilities, we, always, we have to have the answer to everything. We have to prove ourselves more. And yeah, like other people, they don't have to have the answers, but we do. And figure out how we're going to do X, Y, or Z. We don't know how we're going to do X, Y, and Z because X, Y, and Z hasn't come up. Yep. Um. So I remember something I'll always just treasure is um, when I told my dad. um, And he said... Uh, you know, he, they, they'd met you. You'd come to, uh, we'd gone to dinner and to the symphony. So the whole family had met you. And everybody liked you. And he said, I, I thought this was coming. I didn't think it was going to happen this soon. But I, I did think this was going to happen. This was your dad? Yeah. And he said, you know, it's been a real privilege to be able um, It's been a real privilege to be able to help you. And if this is something, uh, and he said, I I think that what we are looking for in life is happiness. And if this brings you happiness, then I totally support you and let me know what I can do to help. Yeah, yeah. Um, Years later, (laughs) years and years later, uh, we were we had found a home that was you know wheelchair accessible that we were the bank owns it but we're paying it off <laughs> and we were both working full time and I asked him about that time and he said yeah I, I wondered how you guys were gonna manage 
But I figured you'd think of something. Well, there was this, this great quote by Harbin Germa that I wanted to just read. Mm-hmm. So Harbin, Harbin Germa, and I hope I'm not totally slaughtering her name, was the first uh, deaf-blind person to graduate from Harvard Law. And at the end of her um, high school years, she's wanting to go on a um, humanitarian mission to Africa. And she's, she's trying to convince her parents that this is a good idea. Let me see if I can find the quote. But, you know, she's talking to both her parents. And mm-hmm. her dad says, what about your disability? I brace myself for a tricky conversation. Guiding him through his disability fears requires summoning up enough courage for all of us. My own fears need to stay hidden. Any sign of nervousness on my part will trigger their protective instincts. The production of courage for for three people my parents and I feel as draining. And um, I can so relate to that. And for me, one of the, the ironies is when we announced we were pregnant, nobody, or I was pregnant, <laughs> you were just, you know, you'd had a fun time. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get there too. Uh, when we announced I was pregnant, nobody asked. Nobody was like, oh, congratulations. Good for you. <laughs> and I've always really appreciated that. I, I guess by the point that we announced that we were pregnant and successfully pregnant, <laughs> finally, we'd been married five years. Seven. No, let's see. So we were married oh, six and a half. Six and a half, Six yeah. and a half years, yeah. yeah six six and, and a half. half years. And that's always been something that um, that, that initial uh, announcement was, was greeted with a lot of joy. It was always yes. meant a lot to me. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, by the time we were married, I would say that everyone... You know, as far as family was concerned, was pretty much on board, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, they, there were just a few people that had to go through a freak out. A bit of a shock. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of a shock. They got over it. Um, we needed to uh, elevate their legs. Get blood blown, get blood flowing back to their brains, but <laughs> we should probably cut that out. No, um, that's funny. We're leaving it in. Okay. Awesome humor. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I mean that was that was awesome. By the time, by the time we, you know, announced that Marie was was on the way. Yeah. It was all joy, all excitement. I think. Everyone was asking, "Well, what can we do to help?" and and uh, yeah, giving a lot of a lot of support. Yeah. So, um, what I think maybe we'll end, if you're okay with this, is what were the best times? Oh, we'll do what were the best times, the most difficult times. 
It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the best of oatmeals. It was the worst of oatmeals. If anyone out there watches Sesame Street. Oh, uh, okay. I am not an following quote. the oatmeal one. What? I, I know. You're not? No, I'm not. You and, who and loves the Sesame Street skits? I know. Wow. I know. It's sad. Because my, my childhood offended. secret was that I loved watching Sesame Street. <laughs> like I, like 12, 13 years old, I still loved watching Ernie and Bert. And I was watching them at my grandma's. And my older cousin came in. She goes, oh, you like Sesame Street too? I'm like, oh, it made me feel so much better. Yep. And it wasn't until years later that I you know, realized that Jim Hansen had written it that way for a reason. He wrote it to be funny, not just to, you know, four-year-olds. But anyway, so uh, what were the best times, the most difficult times? So one of the things... Sorry, during dating or during... Uh, early getting married, I think. For marriage, think. okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think that for me... Um, difficult problem times and we should do a podcast on this is just uh, been health issues we were were talking just before we started recording that we have had between the two of us we have had some kind of a health challenge since 2010 Mm -hmm. yeah and I think for me, the other difficult time or just ongoing <clears throat> has been um, being your hands. Yeah. Because I don't think, um, and then having kids on top of it. And <laughs> sometimes it feels like, mom, do this. Mom, do this. And Tara. Then, <laughs> And then the dog needs to pee, and I get the dog in. I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, flute practice, baby. And you're like, um, Tara? I'm like, no, no, go away, all of you. Not you, too. <laughs> true. Yeah. And so I think for me. You probably, you probably pause for like five or ten seconds and like, oh, is anyone going to call my name? <laughs> One, two. I- I do, I do. Yes, nobody's called my name. I'm going to practice. Yeah, and then right as I, like, open the case, (laughs) it's like, no, no, please no. Stay away. There's no one named Tara or Mom here. They've left. (laughs) I have to admit, one of of my favorite things Mm -hmm. to tease you about is when you get all situated by our uh, fireplace heater, a space heater thing. Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes, just as you get situated, like in the perfect position for your heat-seeking needs, I'll tease and say, Tara, I need... And I say, just kidding. Ah, you're driving me nuts. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And then I think we should, like, do a podcast on, you know, we're in a mixed-faith marriage in addition. Yes. That's certainly been... um, yeah. I think for me, that's probably been one of the most challenging aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but also, you know, I, I, I am very sensitive to the fact that everyone and their dog and the dog calls on you for help, and and I've I've struggled with uh, feelings of being a burden mm. at times, and that's that's hard. And and I love you because you continually assure me that you know there are times when you, know, you say there are times when I'm drained and I need some time on my own, but but um, you know you're not a burden. Yeah. No. I mean. I- it's a it's an interesting position to be in because um, you know we are in a situation where we just you know the the thing I don't have functioning you do <laughs> which is your eyes <laughs> you know I mean it, it's it's like just this pandemic um and as vaccines are coming out and stuff, I was like, okay, you, you have to stay working from home until our oldest, until, until summer, because I, I'll, I'll just go crazy. I mean, I need your help yeah. and your support. And it's not, I mean, sometimes it's calling you because Google, thank you, dorks, has switched the Google Meet intro getting around code. And so I am um, struggling with it and I just... You know, even if I figure it out as you're driving your wheelchair over to the computer, it's like, okay, he's there if I get stuck. I mean, it means so much to me. Yeah, there is... Tyler, get in here. (laughs) We're running late. (laughs) Yeah, there's no way... I'm coming. (laughs) I have a patience of a gnat when it comes to technology. (laughs) It's kind of true. Oh, it is so true. I fully admit it. Um, so what were, what were some of the best times for you? Oh, man. Two that come to mind are when we heard little heartbeats inside of you for the first Mm -hmm. time. Uh, Well, and the second time. Um... I I think for me the course that we have just taken finished. the marriage on a tightrope course that we have taken and um the empathy that especially you have learned to show yeah because I think it's really hard when you feel like you have the truth of of a, of a belief system and your spouse has the truth of a belief system and then your spouse wanders off, you know, <laughs> from the belief system, you're like, well. Okay, bye. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> and to show empathy for that person, you know, and as we've talked about some of the different things I've felt and if you've just sat there with me just listening yeah. Simply to understand, not to fix. Yeah. Because a lot of the pain that comes in a, a faith transition is not something 
you can't fix it. Right. All you can do is, is listen. And I think it takes a degree of courage and empathy to listen. And it's hard for me to just listen. I'm a, I'm a fixer. I'm a problem solver. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But the fact that you have listened yeah. has meant a lot. Yeah. And we've been able to, um, I think, find more common ground than I certainly realized we had mm-hmm. or have. And it, it um, makes it easier to talk to each other and, and even joke with each other and have fun. I think that's meant, as, you know, I mean, that's just been a recent thing. Like, we just finished the course. This week. Yeah, and it's meant so much. It's been a big help. Because yeah. I think uh, you can definitely have elephants in the room. <laughs> and pandemics force you to deal with the elephant crap that piles up. It's true. So true. It gets too stinky <laughs> to ignore when you're home 24 hours a day, seven stinky days a week. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. Yep. So, um, goodbye, elephant. And I think we would like both say the kids, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is... Yes. Kids. Love okay. those kids. I know they're the best. Um, Cleanup is a challenge for everyone. It's the worst. And this is, this is off the subject, but they just fascinate me because if you say to one kid, let's do a surprise cleanup for your sibling your sister so that they don't have to help with the chores. Oh, they jump right all over that, man. But if you say, let's just clean up so we can, you know, get it clean. <laughs> why would anyone possibly want to do that? <laughs> yes. Um, so last question, if you're okay with this, unless you can think of anything else, is um, any funny marriage stories? <laughs> yes. I think it was during our first week, uh, you had lost your phone. (laughs) You were in a frantic panic because you were trying to get to the bus that was, what, like three quarters of a mile away from where we lived? Yes, and the bus doesn't wait, you know? No, the bus does not wait. (laughs) There you get on. If you're not, you don't. You wait for the next one. And... um, you were frantic trying to find this phone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I didn't just call it. Or did I? I don't I don't remember. I think sure, surely it must have been turned off, I bet. I bet it was turned oh, off. Oh, okay. It must have been. We got surely we're not that dumb. <laughs> yeah. I hope. I not. hope not. Anyway. But you know, you never know. <laughs> But so, so you've got your jacket on. And I think and I think I had said something like, I'm gonna have to just go without it. And then I stuck my hand in my <laughs> jacket pocket. And then and was lo my, and behold, there's phone. the phone. And I've been, you know, it had been on me the whole time. I was frantically searching. Yep. And so you give this disgusted sigh. <sighs> yeah, exactly, just like that. And I said, dear. You're going to just have to get used to it because this is the way I run. And 
Oh, and you're always looking for something. I know. And now you just ask. Five to ten to twenty thousand times a day. I know. It's so sad. And you know what? Thank heaven for the Apple Watch and the Find My iPhone feature because I haven't had to call your phone in quite some time. It's been really nice. Yes. That's why I want an Apple Watch. You need a similar paging system for all of your devices. Uh, Well, most of your devices. True, yes. So. Um, I love the story. So when when I moved in, I moved into your apartment that you already uh, were living in. Yep. And the electricity bill <laughs> <laughs> started started going up. It doubled. Did it really? Yes. <laughs> it doubled in the summer months. And this was in an apartment that just had a swamp cooler that normally didn't pull out much electricity. And so you said to me, honey, the electricity bill has gone up quite a bit since we got married. Do you know why that would be? And I said, hmm, I don't know. (laughs) So then one day you come home and the space heater is sitting in the middle of the floor. You're a closet space heater addict. It's true. It's true. I love heating my feet. Like even in the middle of August, we now have a little, um, this little fireplace uh, thing that your parents gave us when we moved in. Yeah. And I really like it. And, uh, and, and the best thing happened the other day. Um, <laughs> actually, I think maybe we use this as the, as the, uh, recording, recording for this one cool. is, um, the girls were sitting in front of the fireplace in this chair that we have that was given to me by a friend. Um, and they're crammed in tight as they can be, and they have a a, the, a copy of Interrupting Chicken that is uh, print with, with clear braille over it so that I can read it to them, and our oldest is reading it to our youngest, but our youngest has to play the part of the chicken, and it is the cutest thing. And they're sitting there reading this book, and both their feet are up at the space heater. <laughs> <laughs> Like mother, like daughters. Well, should we it's end the it best. Here? Yep. If you want to write in and tell us about any of your stories, your love of space heaters in the middle of July, or funny stories from your marriage or parenting, we'd love to hear from listeners. Our email address is cripparenting at gmail.com, and we... We'll be back next week. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. This podcast is gratefully dedicated to the people of the disability civil rights movement. Every time we use public transportation, go to work, go to a school event with our children, we are living in the world you made possible.